It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. Each week, we talk about sports topics of local interest, some national sports topics, if they're germane to what we want to talk about, a gambling segment that we do, and of course, my favorite segment of the show where you can ask me a question on anything, and I'll try to give you any answer from from honest and realistic to just goofy. Um, I think I took some people aback last week, Rick, when I, I said that um, you, you might want to go code red on Justin Turner with the with the soap in the in the thing. I, you know, and I was asked for a friend of mine, were you serious? I said, well, there's also th- there's a little theater of the mind with this, but kind of. Yeah. Well, yeah. so so we were in a group text, uh, a mutual friend text us about that. I got a DM about it and then I ran into someone out in public at a, uh, at the Kroger in Newport and they, <laughs> they asked me like, do you think skinny Ser- was skinny serious about that? I go, I'll be honest with you. I really never know what skinny serious is about. And I never know what's going to come out of his mouth, but I'm pretty sure he was serious about that one. Yeah. I mean, dude spreading the road all over the place. And if I'm a teammate that got it, I, I absolutely. It's <laughs> spring training. The soap bars on the pillowcase and whack them. Yep. yep. And I'll play the Jack Nicholson role as, as well as I can. <laughs> Gotta love it. I uh, just, I mean, yeah, the, the reaction to that, I, at the time when you said it, I was a little shocked that you had said it, but I totally forgotten about it <laughs> until people started texting us about it and asking. So uh, that, that certainly took on a life of its own after yeah. the podcast yep. was finished. Yep. Um, so like I said, I, I try to give as honest an answer as I possibly can. You, you certainly do. All right, well, let's jump into our list of topics this week, starting with some football. The NFL trade deadline came and went on Tuesday without the Bengals making any more moves. The team, of course, traded defensive end Carlos Dunlap last week, but it was thought that Dunlap might not be the only Bengal on the move. Skinny, should the Bengals have made some type of move at the deadline aside from trading Dunlap? Yes, they should have. The, the, the issue becomes, could you find a trading partner and could you get the value you were looking for? I mean, I, I think the three main people that we thought could have been on the market were Billy Price, especially when they they went in, in, in the Dunlap trade, got uh, really a backup center back. Um, Trey Hopkins will will likely start when he returns and it just felt like that whole game ball for Billy on Sunday. There was a lot to that game ball for Billy on Sunday. One, um, you know, I had a friend of mine who, whose son was, was a high school center. He's like, how does a center who has two bad snaps get a game ball? And I said, (laughs) I I think there's a lot to that though. There's, there's, there's the fact that Billy had to really guide Quentin Spain play by play when, when they break the huddle. Um, and, and even Zach Taylor explained to him that he, you know, had to give him what the code word meanings in the huddle were sometimes because the guy just gotten there. So I think some of that was that. I think some of it was, that's what they want some of these players to embody the professionalism of, if you lose your job, fight your ass off to get a chance to get it back and then go perform at a high level. And I think that was some of it. I also thought it was, there was a symbolism of giving him that for, for the reasons I just said, and the fact that, okay, we're probably going to deal Billy, um, but didn't. And again, maybe there was no trading partners. The A.J. Green one's an interesting one, and people probably won't like it. I mean, there's some people who don't want A.J. Green traded. Um, but if he walks at the end of this year and the Bengals don't resign him and he goes somewhere else and is, is, is a starting level wide receiver, I'm not going to tell you he's the A.J. Green of old because he's only shown that in very brief glimpses this season through the first eight games. I don't have a lot of expectation for him to suddenly put up huge numbers in the second half, but I think there's twofold to it. A, um, you know, if he does go to another team and starts, they're going to get a compensatory pick for that third, fourth round. And if, and if you were going to deal him now and you weren't getting anything better than that, then what's the point? 
I mean, honestly, um, you, you yeah. can argue that, yeah, you could use that pick this this year or the 2021 draft rather than 2022 when the compensatory pick would come towards you. But really, if, if, if you weren't getting anything of value that you thought you could get compensation wise for a draft pick, if you let him walk, then then you just don't don't make that deal. I think the other thing, too, is Rick and I, I don't always believe in this and, and football's different. I think they really believe that they can win some games in the second half to start building momentum for next year. And, and truth be told, I'll bet you if you pin them to the wall, I think some of them would say, we still think we got a chance to make the playoffs and right or wrong. And that's just how people, uh, you know, football players and coaches feel. They never feel like they're out of it. They're never, you know, you always hear the term tanking. There ain't no players tanking. Players are never tanking. Hell, coaches probably aren't tanking. Now, front offices may tank by not giving you players good enough to win games, but it's just a, it's a weird league. That's why, you know, you, you've heard this talk of uh, maybe you ought to bench Joe Burrow in this. No, that's not how people people look at this. You're not going to put Joe Burrow in a bubble. It's just, I, again, I, I, I understand people's thoughts, but I just, just got to be clear that sometimes there's reasons why. And then John Ross, um, Look, I'm one that, that said, if you're not going to play him again, and you're probably not, then if somebody had offered you anything for him, then take it. Again, maybe there were no offers whatsoever at all. Um, and if not, okay, well, just keep him on a roster. If we get a couple guys dinged up, he's in the system, and maybe maybe he learns from Billy Price of shut your mouth, work at your craft, you get an opportunity, go play. Auden Tate earlier in the year didn't play in week two in, against, uh, against Cleveland. His agent voiced his displeasure. Auden never did. In fact, we talked to Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, on Monday. And he made a point of didn't see anything different from what he came to work, worked hard every day. It just happened. He was the odd man out that night and, you know, worked his way back into getting a chance. And what happens this past Sunday when he gets a chance, seven catches for 65 yards, three or four really big catches in that game. And, and I think that's what they're trying to, to get some of these other guys to buy into, like the John Rosses of the world. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised, but at the same time, I, I get it. And as you saw around the league, Rick, there just wasn't much activity whatsoever. A, you know, a backup wide receiver traded from one team. Uh, uh, I think a cornerback was traded. I mean, there just wasn't a lot of act. There was a couple of linebackers dealt earlier in the week uh, on Monday um, and over the weekend, but really there wasn't a lot of activity o- across the league. Yeah. The only, and he's, you know, he hasn't been playing well. He was good at one point was the jets linebacker that they, yeah. They Avery got Williamson. Rid of this co- yeah. Avery Williamson coming off the uh, ACL injury last year. He's, he's been struggling, but that is uh, I mean, for him, that's a huge move, obviously going from the worst team in football to uh, a the competitive best. franchise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe the best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the only one I was surprised a little bit about is John Ross, because the reality of the NFL is trades just aren't typically made in right. season. And and certainly with this franchise, we know that's that's not usually the case. So I wasn't anticipating any type of deal that was going to move the needle. But with John Ross, it just seems like there was nothing to be gained by holding on to him. And, and again, I don't think they were going to get much in return, really probably a sixth or seventh round pick was all I was expecting. So I guess I'm kind of just left to believe that the Bengals literally got no offers for John yeah, Ross. No, I, I, I think that's probably right. And yeah, they right. weren't that too interested in being that proactive and and shipping him away maybe. So um, everyone else, you know, the AJ green thing, I, I think you can make sense of the Billy price thing. You can definitely make sense of with all the issues this offensive line has had and, and uh, whether he played all that well or not, he was part of that line that did a good job on, on Sunday and got a win. So I think it, 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 you can make sense of him sticking around, but the John Ross one, I don't think there's any upside for the Bengals or him being on the roster the rest of the season, but yeah, I think the only thing Rick would be is if, if you had, um, you know, a couple of injuries at the p- position um, that, that he at least has been in the system and, and maybe, 
if he can if he can learn a lesson from from Billy Price and 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 from uh, you know others that have lost their Auden Tates and and see how that that really works if you just continue to work hard at your craft and and come to as, as Zach Keller said a couple of weeks ago fight for your job every day then when if he gets an opportunity maybe he makes the most of it but uh, yeah I, I mean I, I, I'm I, listen I'm not going to get up in arms of them not dealing John Ross I, I just you know right it, it's not that big of a deal either way right, it's correct, just a little correct. surprising that yes there yeah. wasn't something done there yep agreed especially with him being being vocal in the locker room now, too. So. Yes, correct. All right, Skinny, through eight weeks of NFL action, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow is the highest-graded signal caller in the AFC North, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, according to their grading scale, which uh, it you know I don't know how much that means to you. He is graded out at 77.4, with Lamar Jackson second at 74.9. Ben Roethlisberger is next at 73.4, and Baker Mayfield comes in last at 67.5. Of course, there's been all types of other accolades throughout the week, and people heaping praise upon Burrow for his performance this past Sunday, and not just this past Sunday, but the whole season. So my question for you is this. If you could one-on-one swap Joe Burrow for any quarterback or maybe even player in the NFL at this point with no, no salary caps, no logic, no other players or draft picks come into play here. Just a one-for-one swap straight up. How many quarterbacks are you actually taking over Joe Burrow right now in the NFL? Right. Okay. Um, that's and, and I mean, not, exercise. not just for this season, but I mean like overall, yeah. if you're going yeah, to you know, keep him I, going forward, I got you. No, no. Um, Mahomes, obviously. Um, I think I'd probably do right. Probably would trade for Russell Wilson, but I'm still pretty comfortable with Burrow. I mean, it wouldn't be one that I'd, I'd feel, I, I, I wouldn't feel great about that deal, but I still think Russell's a, a bigger playmaker and has to do more, um, at this point and has done more at this point and still has more in the tank. Um, Maybe Aaron Rodgers, maybe, but if we're moving forward, how much more does he have in the tank? Um, and while Brady, I think, is probably outplaying him, I'm not going to deal him for Brady at this point. If Again, we're looking towards the future. I mean, if we're doing this with, with an eye on now and the, the future, then, then the answer there would be no. Um, am I missing anybody? I, I don't think I am, am I? No, I mean, my take on it would be the only two I'm saying yes to are Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Those are the only two yeses you're getting from me, I think. The the other two that it, it depends on how you feel about them. I, I I could see a reasonable argument for people saying Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson. See, I, I the, to me, I, I I've always held the jury out on Lamar, and I, I've kind of then you know I was I was I never thought Lamar would become what he became last year, and tip of the cap to him for doing it. But you know I, I think he's been hurt, and that's taken away from the run game. And when you've taken that run game away from him, him being able to run. Teams are starting to make him a pocket passer. Wasn't very good this past Sunday. I mean, if you look at some of the big games they played, um, he got destroyed by Kansas City, got, you know, played awful Sunday against Pittsburgh. Wasn't very good against the Bengals. And again, I do know that I do believe in my opinion, some of it is injury related that takes the run game away. But that's been my point with Lamar all along. I don't think he's a great pure passer. And the, the run game is a big part that you have to defend. And if you no longer have to defend that, he becomes pretty run of the mill quarterback. And, and so, yeah, I, I don't know if I do it. Cause I just think as I eventually in this league, they're going to hit you, man. I, I don't care if you think you're going to escape some hits. If you run as much as he does, they're going to get you. And, and it's going to get cumulative over time. I think you're seeing it with cam. Honestly, frankly, cam stinks. And, and I said that before the year, I wouldn't have taken a flyer on cam. I just don't think he's any good anymore because his big part of his weapon in his game is using his legs. It's not all of his game. It's not all of Lamar's game either. But it's a big part of it. And when you no longer have to defend it the way you used to or do, then I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, there are many. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to stick to the two. And like I said, maybe Rodgers is a third. Maybe. 
Yeah, and again, the only two I'm saying yes to are Mahomes and Wilson, but I'm listening to an – if someone wants to tell me this is why I would take Lamar Jackson over a rookie Joe Burrow right now because Lamar Jackson has won an MVP and he's he's a very unique player that can you know maybe take a team that doesn't have a lot around him and give them a dynamic element. Okay, I, I can hear an argument for that, and I don't think you're an idiot. To be honest with you, I think Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, Ryan – Roethlisberger, all those guys I would say no to just because they're too old at this point. Right. Like I'm not taking right. them at the end of their career and, you know, Rodgers doing whatever he's doing. He seemed, I don't know if he's just disgruntled with what the Packers have done. He has no receivers other than Devontae Adams. He's got a bunch of schmoes. Yeah, and, and I would be totally pissed off with the way they drafted this year if I were him, but he just doesn't even seem to be all that locked in at this point. You know, it doesn't seem like he's he's going towards a Tom Brady finish to his career where he's just going to keep playing at a, at a really high level. And, you know, like you said, Brady is, is still playing well, but he's at the very, very end. So no, and none of the other guys really interest me at all uh, if you're talking about trading them for Joe Burrow. So I guess the, the overall takeaway here is just that the Bengals are in about as good of a position as you can possibly be with the most important position in football. Yeah, and uh, this morning before we started recording this podcast, I was watching a little bit of Get Up on, on ESPN. I don't watch it as much as I did when, when there was all kinds of COVID news going on um, during the summer, but I, I still occasionally tune in. And Dominique Foxworth made a case that Joe Burrow is the most valuable player to his team. He said, now listen, I know he's not, not going to make the argument that he's going to win the most valuable player award, but he but he made the argument that the most valuable player to his team right now is Joe Burrow. And it was, it was, a, it was a compelling argument that he made. And so if we're talking in, in that vein, then yeah, there ain't a lot of guys you're dealing them for, right? I mean, there just aren't. Really, to answer his question too, like who is more valuable to their team? We're talking about probably the same two guys we just mentioned. You know, it's and, Brady, like and, 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 and I think Brady, Brady's elevated the Bucks. Yeah. Okay. Sure. You can throw him up. I mean, you're talking about the the elite quarterback guys that we've already mentioned. Um, I mean, Aaron Donald may be the best player in all of football, yeah. but it's just yeah. not. You know, it's just not the same thing having a, a defensive tackle, even as dominant as he is. So. Yeah, I don't think I want to play Ryan Finley, knowing that I still get Aaron Donald to improve the other side of the ball. Now, nah, <laughs> I, I think I think I'm just going to roll the dice that, that Joe puts up 30 points and the defense can hold the other team to 27, kind of like they did last week. Yeah, exactly right. All right, Skinny, one more Bengals topic here. We are at the bye week for the Bengals, who sit at 2-5-1. and one. We're at the midway point, which makes it kind of nice that the bye week falls right here. So as a sort of reset, coming off the big win over Tennessee, what are realistic expectations for the second half of the season, in your opinion? I, I think the one thing you're going to see is a great litmus test right off the right off the bat. I mean, there's, 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 they're starting to talk this team up of feeling like, you know, hey – you know, you got, you maybe got some buy-in now and look at the end result and boy, things are starting to turn the corner. I don't know if I buy completely turn the corner with a win over a Tennessee team that, I mean, we talked about it on the Sunday podcast. I didn't think it was very good coming in. It's why I predicted the Bengals to win. And, you know, I had a, pub, a couple of people who well, I don't know who they are, called me a homer. I'm like, dude, if, you, if you've if you never listened to me, I'm far from a homer. So I Classic skinny of, being a homer with the Bengals. Yeah, right, correct. <laughs> that's yeah. your MO. That's always been that's your that's MO. It. There's, no, there's no question. Um, I thought that was more Tennessee related. Um, but I think it's a good litmus test um, because, you know, the last time they came off that win over Jacksonville was, okay, hey, had a tie, got ourselves a win, starting to feel pretty good. Things are looking up. And then Baltimore smacked them right in the face. So you're going to see them probably get smacked in the face. It, it, it can't look as ugly as it did in Baltimore, or then you're just going to have to go, okay, this team is still light years from where you want them to be, but go to Pittsburgh, you know, show you can adjust to some of the things that, that they'll do with the blitz. Um, you know, um, just have a good showing. 
And then you've got a four-game stretch where you could literally win all four. You got Washington, the Giants, Miami, Dallas. Not sure you're going to win all four, but you certainly you're going to be favored probably in two of those and maybe even three of those. Um, probably won't be favored at Miami because Miami's, you know, showing it's a pretty respectable team, but you know, it might be a pick them. I don't know. It depends if the Bengals roll off a couple wins. So if you can get through that stretch sitting at, you know, five, seven and one with the last three games to go and, and it's Pittsburgh back at home or get a chance to, again, maybe show what you're made of and make adjustments there. You get Houston on the road, which what are they playing for at that point? And, and then you get Baltimore back at home and you get to see what you're made of there. So I, to me, I, I think it's, I think it's at least a 500 finish. I'd be disappointed with, 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 with anything less um, than that. And look, I'm not expecting six and two, um, but I I think a 500 finish against the, the, what's left on that schedule is fair. I'm on the record already, but if we see this team at five, seven and one, I am going to be absolutely livid just because of all the wasted opportunities earlier in the year. I mean, it would be such. So frustrating to see this team sort of win at the end here. And again, we know what the schedule has in store, the question I have for the Steelers game is you brought, you brought up the blitz, which I think is kind of the, the main key there. What the Ravens did to the Bengals offense and Joe Burrow was attack him with free blitzers who weren't getting touched. And I think some of that was on the Bengals offensive line, having no idea, but some of that was on Joe Burrow, maybe not recognizing what was going on. And he said, and I think that, some yeah. of it, and I'll be honest, I think some of it was on scheme. I think some of Joe holding onto the ball was he's goes to read one and, and they just have two really good corners and, and Marcus Peters and, and, uh, um, I'm drawing a complete blank. Marlon Humphrey, who just yep. get up in your grill and and are challenging you to run by them. And the Bengals don't have that. And I think Joe was looking for hot receivers, not open, not open. Oh crap, free runner, got no chance. Down I go. And so I think that's the learning curve of okay, I got to figure something out. And schematically, I think Zach Taylor needs to figure something out. And, and so that's what I'm saying. This will be a good litmus test. And and I I just don't really expect the Bengals to win that game or necessarily even be too competitive in it. But I would like to see the offense with as well as they've been playing show that, you know, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow have learned from what happened against the Ravens. Even if the the offense isn't capable of really doing anything against the Steelers, don't let free blitzers kill Joe Burrow all game. Yeah. And it just can't be as ugly as Baltimore was not only Baltimore was just ugly to watch. It it can't look that ugly again. Yeah. Yeah. It can't look that ugly again. I'm not expecting a win. I may not even expect them to cover depending on what the number is, but it just, it has to look better um, because then all, all you're going to say is, and that's all I'm going to say is Jacksonville stinks. And honestly, Tennessee, yeah, they were five and one, but they were a very paper thin five and one. Don't, don't be fooled by their record. Um, so at that point, then you're looking up and you're going, oh, okay, two, six and one. And really their two wins are blue. Um, so what have they got really to show for it? So that's what I'm saying to me, it's have a good showing. And then in the next four games where you're capable of winning more than capable of winning, um, Go three and one in that stretch. Go, yeah. I, 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 like I said, I think four and four is a respectable finish. Get you at six, nine, and one with, you know, at that point, you technically would be five and four over your last nine, a winning record over your last nine games of the season going into the offseason. Okay. That's progress. Let's say they only win two of the next six. They beat the Giants and the Texans or the Giants and the Cowboys. What's that mean for Zach Taylor and his future? I still think he's, I, I think he's safe. I, I, I do, unless they, they lose out, but I don't foresee that happening. I, I think he's safe. I think if at that point it would probably be an assistant or two or three that will be the, the sacrificial land. That's always how it's done in this league. So yeah, I, I think if, you know, he wins, they win, they win three more games. He's safe, probably even two more games. I, I, I think that'd be disappointed in that for sure. Um, uh, with what look like some progress they made this past Sunday. Um, but yeah, go, go three and five, go four and four the rest of the way. Um, he's more than safe. 
All right, from the NFL to college football, we are only two weeks away from the initial college football playoff rankings of the season, and the Cincinnati Bearcats have created more national buzz than any team outside the Power Five conferences. UC is ranked sixth in both the AP and coaches poll. And Skinny, my question for you is, do you think Cincinnati has a legit shot at the college football playoff, especially coming off their big wins over SMU and Memphis the last few weeks? I do, um, but I also think it's going to be tough, and that sounds odd, right? It sounds like a contradiction. Um, well, it's because they the don't good, necessarily control a lot of it. Is the problem. That, and that's the and that's the problem. That, that, it's, that's it gets perfectly said. That's exactly the problem. Look, the last two weeks they dominated two really good offenses, and people can roll their eyes and go, "Ah, it's just SMU and the American and Memphis." No, those are two pretty good offenses. And the thing to me was, it wasn't that UC won these games 27-24 and then twenty three twenty to stay undefeated. They dominated. I mean, they were they weren't just clearly the better team. They, I mean, they looked the part of the number six team in the country. Okay, and I think that's the good part. That's the part that I think you have to be optimistic of. Of is that like they got to climb the board a lot here, right, to get in the conversation? They're sitting at number six right now with Georgia in front of them, and Georgia plays Florida this week. Um, Georgia, Georgia probably uh, that's that's their last opportunity to lose in all likelihood before the uh, the SEC championship game, but. I, I can't take a two-loss Georgia, even if both of those losses are to Alabama. I just can't take that. If Notre Dame loses to Clemson this weekend, I think that eliminates them. Suddenly, you see sitting in that fourth spot to a large degree, and if it can hang on for dear life and win out, I think it's got a fighting chance to, 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 to do it. Now, the one that's going to be interesting is if Notre Dame pulls off this win with Clemson not having Trevor Lawrence and Clemson comes back and beats Notre Dame in the, in the ACC title game, my fear then is it's, Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State, and an undefeated UC sitting out. And that that's the part, again, like I said, you have no control over that. Um, but I do think they look every part a team that, that would deserve it. And that's why I go back to I wish it was an eight-team playoff because I do think when you got eight teams, you have literally got – you've got the contenders and you you get the, the team like a UC that's kind of earned its way into it and just can't control a lot of the rest of it. Um, and that, that'll, that'll be disappointing if, if that's how it turns out, because I, I, you know, the argument for Clemson is going to be, well, yeah, we beat Notre Dame with our best guy. We, we, you know, we barely lost with, without our best guy. Notre Dame's argument is, well, we beat Clemson and yeah, they beat us. So who's better. We, we both deserve to be in. That's my fear. That, that would be my fear right there. I think the, the big thing that UC has done to help their cases, like you mentioned, they're not just winning these games. They're putting on a show, they're getting the style points and they have a big, opportunity for that this Saturday afternoon when they take on Houston because Houston's defense is god-awful we'll let you put up as many points as you want and, and it's they move that to, game from ES yeah to ABC yeah to ABC and Nationals uh, at 3 30 you know it's a pretty good slate of games this weekend but not not necessarily loaded at 3 30 so people should see UC putting up 40 or 50 points, I would assume, this weekend, which they need to do again. And I think that really does make a difference. That does help them because, you know, their average margin of victory, I just saw a stat, is greater right now than UCF's was the year where they claimed their fictional national championship. You know, so um, I think I think UC is doing what they need to do. And the good thing for them is the hard part of their schedule is already out of the way. Yep. You know, yep. back in Army, SMU, and Memphis, those were kind of the three toughest tests in my opinion, that were on their schedule. They still have UCF, but UCF's been struggling a little bit, especially on defense. They really can't stop anybody. So and, and Tul Tul Tulsa still scares me a hair. Yeah, yeah, Tulsa. I mean, Tulsa smacked UCF. So um, definitely, I think Tulsa is, is a team you worry about. But again, it's I don't think they're as good as SMU or, and you know, Memphis is maybe a toss-up there. So I, I think UC has done a lot. But the question just gets back to, and 
I know a lot of people will say, you know, do you really want that that team from outside the power five that's going to get smacked in the same way like Oklahoma has done in the college football playoff would. recently, as opposed to a a Texas A&M, a Georgia, or a Florida getting a, an opportunity as a, a two-loss SEC team. Possibly. Yeah, I, I just don't think they would, Rick. I, I, look, I, I, I think Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State are, are are almost three locks to me, although Clemson's, Clemson's wavered a little bit here. I mean, it was a one-score game with Syracuse with Trevor Lawrence in the fourth quarter. They had to fight their tails off to beat bad Boston College at home. Yeah, um, I think they're bored more than anything. I, I think there's truth to that. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not discounting that fact. Um, but l- listen, I, look, no offense to UC fans, I, they're, they're, they're not beating Ohio State head to head. In my opinion, they're not beating Alabama head to head. But you give me a playoff game with Clemson, I'll take my chance. Yeah, because you're, you're going to score some points on Clemson, and I think that defense is good enough to keep Clemson in the twenties. I do. Yeah. I, I think, I think UC is honestly, I think they deserve to be in. I just fear again that there's so many scenarios where yes, a, a two loss SEC or if Georgia runs the table and then and then beats Alabama in the championship game to give Alabama its lone loss like we've seen before, then both of them maybe get in. So it's still a tough path. I think again the good part is though you're not sitting at like 13th or 14th in the rankings. I mean you're already at number six. So people have their eyeball on you, and when they do, they're watching you with that eyeball going, "Huh, this team looks pretty good to me." But just the path is still going to be hard. I guess for me, if Say Notre Dame does beat Clemson and Trevor Lawrence being out takes so much luster off that game because otherwise it would be a, a massive, massive football game, a great measuring stick for both teams. But let's say Notre Dame does beat Clemson and they go on and they don't lose the rest of the season. I legitimately want Notre Dame in there, obviously. They'll they'll be a legit contender and and I, I want to see that matchup. But outside of that, like it'd be different if I felt Georgia was that dominant Georgia defense that we've seen in recent years. So they could really really give these teams a great game. Or if I, you know, maybe Florida with Kyle Trask can give you that, that Florida's chance. Defense is, Florida's defense is awful. That's, that's awful. the issue. I mean, Kyle Trask can catch fire and maybe he can lead your team, but I just don't think that defense can really compete with those top three teams we've mentioned. So when, when it comes down to like those types of teams and even Texas A&M, I don't need to see any of those over UC per yeah, se. Texas A&M, Texas A&M got smacked by Alabama, and, and listen, they 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 beat Florida. So I, and it didn't. And again, those were just two bad defenses. The you know, final was forty-one thirty-eight. Um, you know that that's that's more on Florida in my opinion. I mean, the real test for A&M was number two Alabama, and they lost fifty-two twenty-four. Night night, your chances are done. Yeah, I mean that's the same thing UC would do in my opinion. You know, I mean like I don't think I don't think UC is going to beat OSU or Clemson or Alabama, but. At the same time, like again, Georgia and Florida and Texas A&M, none of those teams to me feel like teams that are getting screwed because they're in the SEC That's right. this year. No, and, no, good point. You know, and they just happen to be in the same conference as that dominant Alabama team, but they're right there with them neck and neck. To me, they're 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 another level below those teams this year too. So why not just give the in this year where we have the uneven schedules and it's the easiest case you can ever make for a non-power five team to get in why not give them that opportunity if it's even close? Yeah, but but I will say this. The Power Five holds a lot of cards at the table, and they're not going to want to deal the money out unless they absolutely have to deal the money out. And, oh, and of I course. think that also yeah. factors in for UC, unfortunately. And that's why I go back to I, – I, it's so commonsensical to make this eight, and, and I've said it moving forward. You got five Power Five conference – programs why would you not want to have all five have their champion be in and then three at larges and one of those at larges can usually be or maybe it's automatically the best group of five team gets the at large and they 
you know, maybe one year they're, they're seated third and maybe one year they get in just because you've said the best group of five has to get in and they're seated eighth and they got to play the number one. And then they prove that they maybe didn't belong, but Hey, at least they, they, they got their, their swing at it. And I just, it makes so much common sense. You get a chance to make more money with another round of the playoffs. And I just don't know why everybody's balking at that. I, I don't, it's just it, common sense. Sometimes it frustrates me when people don't look at things commonsensical and, and those running the college football playoffs. And it's not the NCAA. They don't, they don't run it. It's the college football playoff group. They, they run it. Um, it. It makes no sense to not expand it to eight. It's just, crazy not to all right let's jump to our betting segment where i'm just a disaster an absolute disaster you did okay this past week you were eight and six uh moves you to 44 41 and three overall on the year i went four and ten and that was after starting off three and one with the thursday night game and the uc game so i just got absolutely obliterated down the stretch this weekend I'm 36, 51 and three over hashtag hashtag fade, fade Rick B fade, fade Rick B. Yeah. It's, it's Ow. coming out. You're hearing it more and more as they say. So uh, Kentucky and the Bengals are both on by this week, but you know, who is back? The Mac is back, baby. We got matching Wednesday night football, 7 PM ball state is a half point road favorite at love and honor. Miami Redhawks. Uh, yeah, and that, that game has swung because Miami actually, uh, yes, as of yesterday, was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So that has obviously swung. The money has swung Ball State's way. Ball State. Total is 55, no- by the way. Yeah, I, I think it goes way over that total, by the way. Uh, Ball State had the number one ranked offense in the MAC last year. They lost four games by uh, four points or less. Um, they did beat Miami, but I, I, I think – I think Chuck's built building something, you know, last year went eight and five, got to the Mac title game. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Miami. I think this is a shootout and a good one to start for both teams. I'll go Red Hawks, 38 ball state, 31. Okay. So we're pretty close on this last year. As you know, I faded Miami all season long, every single game. And it worked out. Okay. It worked out well enough for me. I probably went slightly over 500 on doing that or around 500, but I need some good karma. I need to change my juju this time around. So I'm I'm not going to antagonize Jed Demusi and his boys. I'm going to go ahead and say Miami 35. They went out right, pulled the slight upset over Ball State at home. Ball State 28. So that's Miami in the over. I, and I, just for full disclosure, I, I, I ended up having a pretty decent weekend. I had uh, closing two parlays to the over in the Monday night game at 45. And got a little lucky. But I also then decided to hedge, hedge my play on Monday. And I, and I bought... I bought the under up to 48 and a half. And if the, now nobody wants to believe it, that's fine. But I've, I, I told a couple of buddies of mine, but when I did it, and so my friend called me yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, he said, you middled that, didn't you? I said, oh yeah. So you know what? Of course I did. I got myself some action tonight, a little 16 teaser. I took every game in a teaser and took a couple of parlays just cause. <laughs> All right. You got a six team teaser going, which I mean, I can't just let that, that pass up and not talk about it. So who, who are your six teams? What are your picks here yep. on the teaser? I got, I got Miami. I got Eastern Michigan. I took Akron up. I got Ohio. I got Buffalo. And I took Toledo up to plus 30. All right. There you go. I like it. So uh, if you want to play along tonight, Wednesday it's, night, Maction. It's not, it's not for much. I put a 20 on it. That's all. Skinny teaser of the week. Playing with some house money here. Yep, exactly. Play with some house money. Knowing that, hey, man, I'm going to get involved in the Wednesday night Maction. Why not? All right. Let's go to Thursday night NFL action. 820. We've got Green Bay at San Francisco. The Packers are five and a half point favorites. The total is 50. 
boy, this is a tough one because of all the injury situations going on with the Niners. But then you got the COVID issues in the backfield for the Niners, and you got the not or for the, the Packers, Packers rather, yeah. and, the, and you know the, their struggles from last week when they just looked they they looked disinterested in a in a division game at home. They looked disinterested. They do. Um, and Rodgers is part of that. He is part of that, but but every time you want to kick Aaron Rodgers to the curb, he he's he's one of the greatest bounce backers ever. Yep, I, I think he bounces back. He bounces back in a big way. I just think the the injuries have to take their toll on the Niners. I mean, George Kittle's such a weapon at tight end. I mean, they really don't have wide receiver weapons. They they have him as a weapon, and uh, you know Garoppolo's been up and down. But he, you know, going into that, remember that going into the Seattle game this past Sunday, they were kind of the chic peak to pull the upset over the weekend, right? Of yep. this goes playing well. And uh, you know, Seattle's defense stinks, which it does. Um, and they're going to go up there and win a shootout. They did not. And again, injuries, Garoppolo went down. Kittle went down. I think Rogers bounces back in a big way here. I'm going to take the Packers. We'll go Packers 31, 17 Packers in the under. It's barely stays under. Well, we are close on this, but the, the difference is the total here for me. I, I go Green Bay 31, San Francisco 24. So it's Packers and the over. You, you mentioned Green Bay bouncing back. They are 6-0 and against the spread in their last six games following a loss. Yeah, he's just really good at compartmentalizing, putting it behind and moving on to the next. He really is. I mean, yeah. you know, that I, I think that whole thing of the, the year when he came up with the R-E-L-A-X, relax. I think that's just his mantra, man. He just... Look, that's one game we lost. Let's move to the next and try to win it. And he's just really good at that. The other part of that is I got really pissed off at Green Bay because I bet on them last week and they cost me. So I'm trying to avoid the emotional play of picking against them because I've been so bad at this pick them. So I'm kind of like doing the opposite here. I'm fading myself in, yeah. in live action. So we'll see how that yeah, works. And you know that never works. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. San Francisco is going to win by 30 probably. All right, takes us to Saturday's college football, 3.30. We talked about this one. Houston at Cincinnati. The Bearcats are only a 13.5-point favorite. The total is 55.5. I love this line. This yeah, I'll let, I'll, 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 let you, I'll let you go first. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of liking this line. My fear is it's going to go up is my fear. I'm go- Yeah, exactly. I would get this as soon as you can because I think it's only going up in uh, UC given more points. I'm going UC 52, Houston 13. I just think this is a total blowout. I think H- UC can literally score as many points as they want in this one, and their defense will still be good enough to slow down Houston. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the two best teams that Houston has played is BYU, which I think BYU is good. I, I don't think they're UC good. They're undefeated in some of that schedule related. They're 7-0. and um, they've actually, it's funny. They've played, played so many games and some of these teams, Ohio State's played two and BYU sitting at seven and oh, um, BYU beat them 43, 26 last week. UCF beats them 44, 21. Their two wins are over Tulane, which can't stop a soul. They're decent offensively. You can't stop anybody and Navy, which this is a down Navy team. Um, yeah, I think UC. honestly, I, I think they named their score. I think the only fear would be you've got through, as you mentioned, that really tough part of your schedule and in the proverbial letdown, but I just, I, I don't see it. I, I think that defense is never going to let down um and i think des ritter's starting to play really well i you know, I, I almost want to go with the memphis type score but i think houston will, i'll go uc 42 17 and that'll be the third straight game if they do it over 40 points for an offense that we question and rightfully so but yeah i'll go uc 42 17 so for me it is uc and the over yeah we're both on uc and the over here and i think the other thing to consider is like uc's total score we're both saying uc can probably name however many they want to score here and it's probably dictated by the play calling but again this is going to be a game on abc 
nationally televised. They're gonna they're gonna want to show some style. You're right. I think Luke Fickle will run up the score a little bit if he can, and and so that's why I'm going UC 52, a little, little high scoring game, the highest total they've put up since uh, Austin P the first week of the season. Yep. All right, Saturday at 7:30, we've got Rutgers at Ohio State. Ohio State is a 37 and a half point favorite. The total is 64 and a half. Um. Yeah, that 37 and a half is too much. I mean, again, Ohio State's not this is they're they're not gonna lose this game, obviously. Um uh, Rutgers was certainly the beneficiary in week one against Michigan State when they pulled off the upset of of multiple turnovers. I think Michigan State turned it over seven times. Um but I think this is a capable enough Rutgers offense, and, and I'm still the jury for me is still way out on the Ohio State defense. I think Rutgers puts up 17 in this game. And even if Ohio State puts up 52, which it may, you still ain't covering that number. So I'm going to go with that score. Ohio State 52, Rutgers 17. So Rutgers gets the cover, um, and it goes over the total of 64 and a hook. That's funny. (laughs) I am, uh, again, very close to that final score, but the difference matters here. I'm OSU 56, Rutgers 17. So that means OSU will cover the 37 and a half and it goes over. You know me, I can't resist the giant line. I mean, those I know, are my I, favorite to I, bet. I, I'm I a just, sucker. I, yeah, I, I just, it just feels like that the defense just doesn't do it for me yet. Um, oh, the, de- the defense is bad, but Ohio State has scored 90 through the first two games and Rutgers has gave up 37 to Indiana last week. So I'm noting you, Um, you know, like, I mean, if you give up 37 to Indiana, Ohio State could score 100 against you if they wanted to. And, you know, I mean, Ryan Day is a few weeks behind some of the other national powerhouses. So he wants to make sure they're they're going to be ranked number one in the country. So I think I think, again, this is a case where you'll see Ohio State running up the score and they can probably score as many as they want to against Rutgers. I mean, the, I, the concern I is actually, the, I, the concern is the defense here with Ohio State. They are very prone to the backdoor cover this year with that defense. And, and I'll be honest with you, just for blanks and giggles, I, I may even throw them in a, in a I won't do it on the program. I may even throw Rutgers in a, in a three team reverse teaser and take them down to get in 31. It's not a terrible I mean, idea. Yeah, I mean, it's you're still, getting, you're still getting an awful lot of points to play with. Yeah, but here's the thing. To me, betting a line like that is the most fun because you know the team you're betting on is just going to score points all day. Even if they don't cover that, it's just a fun line to bet because you just get get to bet on the team that's scoring. Yeah, yeah. The, the one thing is, too, and it was kind of like the Nebraska game where I was on the Ohio State side. I think you were, too, that opener. And for a little bit, you sweated it because you're thinking, man, they still got to make up a lot of ground. And then little by little, it's a touchdown and a turnover and then another touchdown because you know they're going to keep scoring. It's just a matter of can you get the stop. And they kind of grinded their way to, to pulling away to, to cover. I just – I just, that this is too big of a number for me. I'm sorry. It's just too big of a number. I think that's the logical thing that most people would agree with. Sunday night, 8.20 p.m., back to the NFL. We've got Saints at Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers are a five-point favorite. The total is 51 and a half. Yeah, I, I really love this game. I think Tampa Bay rolls this one. Um, I do. Uh, I think there's always an overreaction to what happens in Monday Night Football. I've always, I've always lived by that mantra. It's an overreaction to a team winning by a certain score, and suddenly the line gets inflated. Or in this case, Tampa Bay having to grind out a win against the awful Giants. I think deflated this line a little bit, to be quite frank. So I think so too. I, I I'm, I'm going to be all over Tampa. I think, I think that Saints defense isn't very good. I'm going to go. I'll go Tampa. Thirty-one. 31-17 Tampa. So that is the uh, Bucks and the under at 48 you would have. So the total is 51 and a half. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the Bucks and the under as well. I'm a little lower scoring though. I'm going Bucks 27, Saints 21. I'm with you on that line. I was expecting it to be at least over a touchdown. So seven and a half, eight, something like that. Uh, to get it at five, I feel like is a really good deal. Maybe that line will change 
as we get closer to the weekend. But uh, the Saints, the Saints did beat the Buccaneers 34-23 in week one, but they're one and five against the spread in their last six games. So yeah, and, uh, and, and I think you got that revenge factor as well. I mean, Brady threw a pick six. Um, right. They did not I, yeah. play well in that first game. Correct. Correct. So. All right, Monday night, 8-15, final game on our slate. We've got the Patriots, who are a seven-point road favorite at the Jets. The total is 42-and-a-half. What do you think about this one? Jets are awful. I mean, they are there, are awful. Certain, there, there are certain teams you don't even you don't even look to see who the other team is and you just play against just because they're bad. You just got to make sure it's not a crazy number. Um, you know, I, people who took the Chiefs minus 19-and-a-half, and I was not one of them, I just that, that number just always bugs me when it's that high in the NFL just because of the anything-can-happen to keep, you know, keep a team in a game and sure. they were in it for a while. You sweated it out a little bit, but really not a lot. And ended up winning 35 to nine. Uh, I think the Patriots win. This is going to be an ugly Monday night game. Please flex some of these teams out. I'll go Patriots 24 to 10. So Pat's in the, in the under the jets are just, their offense is abysmal, abysmal. Yeah. We're right about the same spot on this game. I went 24, 14 Patriots in this one. I mean, I mean, dude, here, here are the, here are the jets, here are the jets. Um, scoring since they put up 28 in week four against the Broncos in a 37, 28 loss. This is their last four games offensively. And I don't even know if this is all offense, probably the defense set them up for half of this crap. <laughs> 10, zero, 10, nine, 29 games in the last four combined. And then they got the Broncos with the 28. And before that, they'd scored seven, 13, 17. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. Give me the uh, pats in the under. Yeah. Patriots lost four straight after that two and one start, but, the thing about that is Bill Belichick isn't going to lose five straight with the Jets being that the next game. You that's know I mean, that's correct. Just, there's just zero chance that's going to happen. And with it only being seven point spread, if it was more than a touchdown, I'd be iffy on this because that Patriots defense gets questionable. But again, the Jets offense, terrible. The fact that it's only seven points, I feel pretty good about the Patriots in this one. I think it's going to be a no nonsense game plan from the Patriots. Cam Newton might have three or four more concussions after this one is over because <laughs> they're probably just going to hang him out to dry. They really don't care anymore at this point, but I, I don't see the Patriots losing that one. So last thing on the card, give me your teaser of the week or bet of the it, week, whatever you have for us. Yeah. It won't be the max one. The max one for me is just so I have interest in Wednesday yeah, night football. Yeah, that's just a little that's, nonsense. That's just exactly. I just doing it for fun and playing with playing with somebody else's money. Uh, I'm going to get a four teamer for you here on, on Sunday in the NFL. I'm going to take the chiefs down from 10 and a half. I'm going to use a six teamer here or six point one here. Chiefs down to 10 from 10 and a half to four and a half against the Panthers at home. They just roll people at home. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. I'm going to take the Cardinals um, they're laying five at home against Miami. Miami didn't do anything offensively into his debut. It was all uh, Rams buffoonery and some special teams thing, a punt return for a touchdown for the Dolphins. I think the Cardinals uh, Cardinals are sitting at five and two and more than capable of beating the Dolphins at home. All I need is the outright win. And so I'm buying it down to a, actually the Cardinals getting a point, but basically they're going to have to win the game. I'm going to take the Bucks down to, to literally basically a pick them. They're five and a half. I'll take the six down to, to a pick them. I'm going to take the Patriots down to one on Monday night from seven to one. So there's my four team or Patriots down to one. Buccaneers basically to pick them Cardinals getting one and Kansas city down to four and a half. That's an odd number. I know. I just don't think you're going to have to sweat it with the chiefs there. I think they're, they're going to roll the Panthers. All right. Well, you're always the NFL guy. I always like the college board better. And this week, Saturday slate of games is great. I love oh, we get the We get the noon kickoff, which is technically a 9am kickoff for one of the PAC 12 games. Yeah. Cause they're back in action. Yeah. PAC 12 is back. This Marvin week. Lewis is back. Marvin Lewis is calling plays on the defensive side of the ball again. It's going to be a good weekend, but there's a lot of games I like, and I'm not even going to go teaser this time. I'm just going straight up parlay here. Love it. Love it. I'm going Army 
minus six over Air Force at home. Okay. I'm going Cincinnati minus 13 and a half over Houston at home. And, and, and I think just for your own advice, you best go do that in the next 30 minutes because I got a feeling that that's going to go up. Yeah. I mean, it opened at 10. It's up to 13 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if it closes at 15 and a half or so. And then the final game I want to throw in there is North Carolina. They are on the road, but this North Carolina team is not bad. They've kind of already had no, their slip-up they're game. They're good. Yeah, they're, offensively, yeah. they're really good. Yeah, they had their slip-up game already, too, a few weeks ago. So I like North Carolina minus 10.5 there as well. So that's Army minus 8 over Air Force, Cincinnati minus 10 over Houston, both of those teams at home, the North Carolina minus 10 on the road at Duke. Straight-up parlay. I like it. I like it. Okay. Now it's time for our favorite segment of the podcast, hashtag AskSkinnyAnything, where you ask Richard Skinner your questions. And we'll start off with a sports-related question, as we typically do on here. Who is the worst coach in Cincinnati sports history, Skinny? Okay. The worst coach in Cincinnati sports history. Um, I'm, I'm going to put a couple in there, and God rest his soul, Tony Yates is, 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 in, is, in, that, is in that mix. I saw someone tweet that. I saw yeah. someone tweeted that at us. Um. You got to put Dave Shula in the mix. You got to put Dick LeBeau in the mix. Although Dick, I think, gets a pass because he was a really good defensive coordinator. That's the thing. He has a history of like being a respected coach. Yes. You can just be like the Bengals were at fault here. Yeah. And he just, I don't think he was ever a head coach. You know, when he left here, he went and had another successful run in in Pittsburgh as a defensive coordinator. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I can't put Dick in there just because of what he did as a head coach. Um, I, I guess for me, it's going to be between David Shula, who was so far and above his head. It was, it was silly. Um, and, and I'll, I'll have to go put the late Tony Yates in there. And I hate to do that. Um, just passing away. And he was a nice man. I really always enjoyed talking to Tony. He just wasn't a very good coach. Who you got? D- Dave Shula's record, uh, as the head coach of the Bengals was 19 and 54. Does that sound 19 right? 19 and 52, 52. I, I, I shorted him two losses. My bad. Yeah. Respect, respect the Shula, please. Yeah. Um, I've got I've got a good one for you that I don't think you would have ever thought of. Okay, it's even worse than that. How about one Ron Yans, FC Ron Cincinnati? Yons is a great one. That's a great call. Who went that's one a, that's five a... and four before being fired for being a giant racist in the locker yeah. room with his players. And and he always came off as just that crazy drunk uncle, right? That would say anything. At <laughs> uncle any Ron. In a pro, Uncle Ron's coming over. Oh God, not Uncle Ron again. Yeah, Uncle Ron is here. I think Ron Yons is the worst coach that's a in good, Cincinnati that's a, sports That's a good history. one. I, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm glad you thought of that one because that is actually appropriate. That guy was a goof and a clown. I have no and idea I don't how even that follow came to soccer. Me. Yeah, no, it's great. That's a great one, Rick. I love it. I couldn't remember his name either. I had to Google it earlier this morning when I saw this question come across. I said, who was that jackwad that <laughs> <laughs> lost, lost every game he coached? I thought he was winless, but he actually won one. Yeah, uh, congratulations for that one win, Ron. Yeah. Him tying four made me concerned that the, like might be better than what Shula did. So I had to Ron, check Ron Shula's had a, record. Ron, Ron had as many racist comments as wins, right? At least that we know <laughs> um, public I, racist comments as wins. It, yeah, public. It sounds like he had plenty more inside the <laughs> well, locker room. Well, good point. Yeah. So, so, what Hurdy, coach, so what coach had more racist comments than wins? Yeah. I Ron mean, Marge, Yons. Marge Schott would have, she, she at least won games. You yeah, know? exactly. I mean, right. All right. Uh, if you had to listen to one Christmas song before every meal for a year, what would it be? Jingle bells. I can do. I can. I can live with jingle bells. Any specific rendition? Um, kind of the speedier version. I don't even know who sings it. To be honest with you, it's the, the jingle one that's bells, like, jingle oh. bells, jingle all the way. Hey, hey. It's kind of a jazzier version. My mom used to listen to one 
that it was a lady and it was like jingle bell jingle bell jingle oh yeah, yeah. Who, who did I, think that I, I think it's ella fitzgerald did that one you might want to uh, google okay. i believe ella fitzgerald did that ella fitzgerald was the was the queen of 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 scat man she she could she could sing it i'm going run rudolph run by chuck berry i like run rudolph run because that doesn't good. really sound like a christmas carol um it's short no I, I'm, I'm with you that's good that's a good that's a good call it's got a little got a little pace to it for yeah. sure a little, yeah. a little guitar i think uh, uh under three minutes here is the key if you get it under three minutes yes you can, you'll yes. fine. you just don't uh, want a long slow one yeah you don't want baby it's cold outside it's a great song um you, you know white christmas is a great song but i i, I yeah no it's got to be it's got to be a little bit upbeat the elephant Fitzgerald version of that's probably jingle bells is pretty good that's a good that's a, that was a good call or what about the uh christmas shoes one just make your uh significant other and your daughters cry every time before <laughs> yes you, yes you have a meal yeah. that'd be nice. yeah yeah that, that's a lot of fun yeah, yeah. no thank you <laughs> what do you own that a lot of people comment on i.e car watch shirt whatever uh, let me think. I'm not a big car guy. I got a 2013 Camry that I'm rolling with till it dies. Um, Baller. You know me. I'm just not a. I'm. I'm not a clothes guy. I'm a three quarter zip guy in the, in the in sweatpants in the winter, and I'm summertime short pants and a golf shirt in the summer. Um, don't wear a watch. I, I've got a couple of watches. I don't wear one because I'm like a lot of people. You got the time on your phone, right? And they, I know people wear watches for style. I, I, I honestly, I, I can't come up with something that I own that, that other people would, would, would covet or want. Has it become summertime short pants? Like, do people mention that now when you wear them? They, they do. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I, it's I, become your summertime short pants. M- maybe yeah, that's a good point. But do they, do they covet them or do they just want to make fun of me? Well, I, I don't mean, think I, this, may, I, well, that, I think that it could be either or. They just said, what do you own that a lot of people comment on? It oh, could comment. be bad. I kept thinking covet. Yeah, comment. Yeah, yeah not okay. covet. Yeah. So, summertime short pants is probably there. I'll, I'll, I'll give that that the probably the one because because that, that just became a thing out of the blue, and I still yeah. stick by it. There's a difference between summer short or short pants and summertime short pants. There just are. Uh, these my are God. More, these are more slacky. For in fact, right now I'm sitting in a pair of 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 long basketball shorts, um, Beachwood basketball shorts. Um, but if if the weather holds up as this week goes on, there's going to be a time this weekend I'm going to have to break out. The summertime short pants, the dressy, slacky short pants. It's going to be in the 70s. Uh, I know those, it. those are called khaki shorts, uh, just for the record. Okay. I still okay. still stand by that. Um, my, my guy, Dan, that I did my Zero podcast with, he, he didn't make this up. It came from something he was listening to, but uh, he, he made the differentiation one time between hard pants and soft pants. Like if they have a button and a zipper, they're hard pants, like jeans or khakis or whatever. If they're, you know, just a waistband, they're soft pants, which I like that. I like hard pants and soft pants. I kind of like it, but for me, mostly soft pants are just like sweatpants, right? Yeah. And basketball shorts, like that type of okay, thing, okay. right? Uh, those, soft, those are all soft, soft pants. pants. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. I like the, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's a good differentiation. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that I have that people comment on, again, this would be kind of like in a negative way, is my black V-necks. I, like I've had people be like, do you wear anything else? I like, no, it's my uniform. I, I went to a Catholic school. I used to begrudge having to wear a uniform to school every day. Then I grew up and realized I really liked wearing the same thing every day. So, so I so just went back I, to the uniform. Yeah. What, what did you have to wear at the, at, at the Holy Cross? Did you, was it just the white button down or? No, uh, uh, polo. Oh, polo, it was, okay. it was, yeah. Got khakis it. and then either uh, black, red, white polo. What about winter time? I mean, you could wear like a hoodie with it too. Okay. But gotcha, same okay. thing. Still okay. Polo. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, this, this came from uh, the king of Xavier Twitter, Captain Xavier CapX, uh, also the king of burners, burner accounts on Twitter, but it runs like 750 accounts, I think. I thought, uh, I thought, wait a minute, I thought Twitter was trying to clean some of that stuff up. Well, he's week. probably had half of his accounts deleted <laughs> yeah, by Twitter exactly, in the last exactly. month. Uh, he says, Forgive me if it's been asked, but do we pee in the shower? 
Absolutely. <laughs> Are you serious? Absolutely. Who doesn't? Now, I will say this. I, I This is the funny part to him saying that. I do, and then just, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm goofy about this, because it quickly goes down the drain. I always then sprinkle, or not sprinkle, but pour just a little bit of shampoo in that area. I, I, I guess I think I'm cleaning up after it. I don't what? know. Yes. Like you're deodorizing or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of both. It's that not and, like antibacterial shampoo is an anti. No, I, I, I realize that. I just okay. I, always, I always feel bad about doing it, but yeah, I, I, I do. I'm, I'm not wait, gonna what lie. Do, I did. Wait, what do you feel bad about? Peed in the shower or wasting shampoo when you're cleaning? Nah, what, what's yeah, the part you feel bad about? No, I'm not worried about. Dude, I use Prell. Trust me, Prell's about 99 cents a a, a freaking bottle, man. <laughs> so I don't worry about that. And, and my wife works for P and G. So we get, we get a lot of Uh-oh. free products. So we're good oh, there. Yeah. Well, um, wait, hold on. Why are you using crappy shampoo then? If your wife I, can get the good I get, stuff. Cause I, cause I just like that shampoo. I like oh, that. Okay. shampoo. Now I'm particular about conditioner, but I'm shampoo, man. Just get the grease and grime out of my hair and I'm good to go. Do, do you wash, rinse and repeat, or you just do it once? I just do it once. Yeah. yeah I don't follow directions. Yeah. Either. yeah. I don't either. I, I, I remember when the, remember when the two and ones came out yeah. many years ago, I, I never, I, I bought into that fan for a bit, but then my, it always made my hair feel greasy. It just didn't, ugh, I just never liked it. I like the ones that tingle. You ever had that? I've like, had those um, little, like eucalyptus or mint. Yeah, or something no, no. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, and it's funny occasionally. Um, Cause I have all women in my household and, and um, they're, you know, they use all the, I don't know why that sometimes they have to come back and use our shower and we've got three showers in the house for goodness sakes, but there's different shampoos all over the place. And occasionally if I run out and one of those is there, occasionally I do get that little menthol. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool feeling. Yeah. I, I get it. But yeah, I'm just a, I'm a <laughs> menthol. <laughs> do you like your, you like your uh, shampoos menthol or non-menthol? Yeah, non-menthol. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, exactly. I'm a menthol guy. I'm a menthol yeah, but, guy. But back to the original question. Absolutely. Come on. Yeah. So I'm not judging on this and I have definitely peed in the shower. And in fact, I, I used to enjoy it. I kind of like peeing anywhere that's not a toilet, if we're being honest. Like, I love peeing outside, but... See, I, 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 I think the last time I did that, I was I was coming back from somewhere, and my wife was driving. I do know that for a fact, and I was overserved, and I just could not make it inside the house. And it was not a very long walk from, from the garage to, to inside our house, and I just, I raced... To, to right outside and had to get had to go there. I, I, but I don't, I, I never feel comfortable doing that. I don't like that. Oh, I, well, like, and you know, I, at my house in Erlanger, I had plenty of space, no neighbors. I could pee wherever I wanted. I mean, you've been there. There's, you know, no one could see me where I could be in my front yard and it wouldn't matter. I'm off the end of a subdivision. Now it's like, you know, houses all around. So I can't do it nearly as much. So I do miss peeing outside a lot, but I have quit peeing in the shower. I do not do that anymore kind of miss it if we're being honest but here's the thing i like shower mats now i'd never had a shower mat oh because i was savage but now like those loofah little mat things you, you know like rub your feet on and you don't slip those are nice and i don't want that to get pee on it so that's that's a good call that's yeah fair. so i don't i don't okay. want to be like yellow stained i feel like that'd be a dead giveaway yeah i, I yeah going outside i i'll tell a quick story it's my friend of mine uh growing up uh i was probably I guess 12 or 13. And we used to go to what is now Boone Lynx golf club. It was a country club then that he belonged to. It was Boone air. And then on Mondays it was closed um, to the public or closed in general. They, they would work on it, but they always let my friend and I on. So we'd take a lunch with us and play 36 holes sometimes. So uh, we're playing on the, on a hole. And he's like, man, I got to go bad. And I said, well, just run into the woods. So he runs in, comes back. And I go, I go, man, you're gone for a while. He goes, he goes, yeah, I said, I had to go. I said, you didn't do what I think you did. He goes, yeah, man, I had to go. I said, what did you wipe with? 
leaves and i thought oh no may i at that point i'm leaving the course and finding a rest that's, room. I that's going an, in the woods that's <laughs> honestly an insane move and yes. honestly even more insane <laughs> is that he then came back out and played with you and, and played and around sweating and sitting on the cart and every like that's dude, gross. Think, what do you do? No, throw no, away no, those there, clothes afterwards? There's there was no, no way you cleaned up well enough. Dude, there was no cart. We were 13 years old walking that bad boy. Oh, you were 13 years old. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I forgot that about boy. that part. Yeah. Well, that makes a little more sense that he did it at 13. Like, if this was like a, a 40-year-old man doing this. Yes. Then, oh, my gosh. I mean, no, you'd, no you'd have to honestly just call the cops. No question. Or just leave. Just go, hey, good luck, yeah. man. I, I hope it works out for you. All right, another question we got is skinny as a Bourbon Street expert. What is the best vantage point spot for a night on town there? Wandering streets aimlessly, popping squat at good corner bar with view, bar hopping, on a balcony throwing beads, etc. No, I, I to me honestly, it, it, it's it's get your drink. And for me, just because I was in New Orleans, it was it was uh, hurricanes and slushy hurricanes, yeah. and then just and then just circle the streets. That that was the best part of it. I mean, it's just there's so much activity going on. And then yeah, occasionally maybe you get a little tired, so you pop in. I had to pop into Pat O'Brien's just because it's famous. Um, and I remember that was at the end of a, a long night of drinking hurricanes, and and uh, it was me and another writer from the Courier Journal popped in there at like probably three thirty in the morning and decided to have a couple of bourbons, which wasn't the smartest thing on top of hurricanes, and that's why that all came up the next morning, but no, there's no doubt. I mean, get, get you a drink and walk around and mingle with the crowd. Um, yeah. And occasionally if you get a little tired, find a little place where you can get some view, but yeah, there's no doubt you get, you, you got to walk and mingle. You're doing a little more than peeing in the shower that morning. <laughs> we, we all know Richard's love for 60 seventies TV shows, but who would he pick between ginger or Marianne ginger in a heartbeat in and, a heartbeat and Jennifer Marlowe or Bailey quarters. Bailey Quarters, possibly Jan Smithers is her name. And I think she, did she pass away? I, I can't remember if she passed away or Mrs. Cotter passed away. I think one of them passed away. Bailey look Quarters. Up, up Jan, Jan Smithers is the actress's name. Jan Smithers. S-M-I-T-H-E-R-S. It looks like she's alive. Okay. Uh, honestly, on that show, because because Jennifer Marlowe was the voluptuous Lonnie Anderson and kind of the platinum blonde, she got all the run. But I think for a lot of guys... It was kind of Bailey was the one you kind of liked. Bailey, Bailey was Bailey had it going on. I'm going Bailey over over Jennifer Marlowe for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at Jan Smithers now. Not but very 90s look going on here. Even though this said it was like the 70s or yeah, 80s, it was, so. yeah, she was on. They were both on WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, this is like a total 90s uh, Technicolor dress she's wearing. I feel like, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it sounds like she's still alive. She just did an interview okay. in uh, 2020 in January. I think it, I think so. it must have been Mrs. Cotter who passed away uh, from Welcome Back, Cotter. Marsha, Marsha Strassman, I think is her name. Yeah. Mrs. Cotter died 78. That is. Okay. There it is. Got it. Yep, there we go. Okay. Glad we cleared that up. Um, all right. Final question. Would you rather have a week? Uh, have I, always a, like the, I always like the would you rather. Yeah. Would you rather questions are my favorite for sure. Would you rather have a two week all expenses paid vacation anywhere you want in the world or spend an hour on the moon? That's coming from our guy, Jed Demusi. Tells you where his head's at. <laughs> Um, I think while the moon would be cool, I just, you'd, you'd have to you'd have be in all kinds of garb and it just wouldn't be enjoyable. It'd be kind of cool. And it's the most stressful thing I can think of. Yes. Going to the, the moon now, sounds now, terrible. Right. Quite now, honestly. now the, the payoff of everything goes well is you actually can say you're one of the few people who set foot on the moon. Problem okay. is if it don't, if it don't go so well, if it don't go so well, you go, uh, things don't end very well that regard. Two week vacation, I'll pay anywhere I want. I'm, I'm going to take that in a heartbeat. Give me, give me two weeks in Maui and, and I'm in. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, here, first of all, going to the moon, doesn't that take like a year or something? Like, no, it, no, it takes, it takes only a matter of days, but still. 
I'm, I'm looking it up right now. How long? Oh, about three days. Okay. Yeah. It, so you would be up in the air for like a, a, a week. Is that how that works? Yeah, probably about probably that's probably about right. Yeah. I was thinking you had to do like orbits first or something before you, you like came into the moon. No, you, I didn't know you could you, just like go straight at it. Yeah, no, you don't. You do have to do some. You do have to do orbits. I mean, there's that's why it takes a few. I mean, honestly, if you shot straight to the moon, it probably would take you a day. I would guess it's not. It, it's not all that far. But yeah, you gotta you gotta get in their gravitational pull. And I'm not a science guy by any stretch of the imagination. But there's it's more complicated than just flying from New York to Los Angeles. I mean, this is the best explanation of space exploration you could get. No question. Honestly, we are just we are killing this segment. It, it's me and Bill Nye, the science guy. I mean, we're right there together. And Neil <laughs> yeah. Tyson Degrassi. Well, I'm I'm even better at this clearly. Um, I just, but either way, uh, a whole week worth of work essentially. You yeah, right. Are, yes, you could die fairly easily, and it's not like you're the first person to do it. It's like, yeah, you're one of the only, but it's not like it's impressive to go to the moon now. It's already been done, and we're like talking about Mars. I now still, I still would Mars, be honest with you. So. If you're standing on the moon though, looking back at Earth, that would be pretty impressive. Yes, sure. Sure, if I could do it like for a snap for like an Instagram picture or something like that. And just have to, that's all I was doing for the afternoon, but I'm not, I'll be honest. If I was terminally ill and had that opportunity, I'd go to the moon. If I was terminally ill. But okay. If it, yeah. If, it, if, it's, Instead if, of, it's, if it's, if it's a, would you rather today give me the two weeks on the beach in Maui and you're paying the bill? Absolutely. Yeah. If instead of my chemo, I might go to the moon. Right. Uh, correct. But, correct. but if I, if the other option is I get to go anywhere I want for an all expenses paid vacation, that's, the easiest question in the world to me, and I felt like maybe my brain was just way too small time to answer this. Yeah, I, I, I think for, so I was like, this I, is easy. I think for poor Jed though, he's he's just he's his team is restarting back tonight in Maction. He's probably a little worried watching the line change, which means the smart money's on Ball State. It's it's really got him all in, in, in flux at the moment. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna excuse that question, but I do like the Would You Rather. I always love Would You Rather's. Hey, la- lastly, did you end up giving out Halloween candy? No, I did okay. not. I did not. Uh, did you? Uh, no, I actually broadcast a football game on Saturday night, a high school game. So I was not home for that, for that. And my, my wife had gone to Lexington to watch the Kentucky game with my uh, oldest daughter and my youngest daughter, who's a student down there. So nobody was home. So, yeah, we, we, uh, we were out as well, but it also sounds like it, as it turns out, there aren't really a lot of trick or treaters here. So, yeah, well, there you, it's a win-win. You don't have to feel bad for not giving the candy. I always feel bad when we don't do that, when we're not home, but we had legitimate excuses. I'm sorry that Halloween fell on a college football Saturday and a high school football Saturday, just the way yeah. it went. Well, you live in a in a neighborhood that's prime for that, though. Yeah, oh, there's no question. Although it's yeah. it's getting older. I mean, there was a ton of kids. I mean, it's felt like we all. I mean, this we built the house here when really this neighborhood was pretty new. So uh, it was a lot of younger families at that point, and and now it's getting skewing a little bit older. So maybe and maybe there are less and less trick or treaters. I mean, back in back when my kids were in their you know before they even got the teenage years and then through it, I mean, it was Halloween was nuts around here. I mean, you had to make sure you stocked up without running out. Yeah. Yeah, that was how it was back in. Uh, well, you know, you grew up in the same neighborhood I did. That's how yep. it was back in the day. And uh, no question, in, in, in the co- in the co- in the college park. Shout out to College Park. Yeah, shout out to College Park after dark. No sweat. All right, brother. Appreciate it as always. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast. Keep those questions coming. Weekly Potpourri Edition. <laughs>